0: Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot Podcast, our special summer replays, aka Chris is being lazy and not recording new episodes. AKA Chris is going out on adventures and trying to fix things around the house that have been broken for like months now that have been on my to-do list forever. <laughs> AKA uh a teacher enjoying his his uh trying to get some downtime in this season of my life as uh one of our guests on episode 300 so eloquently said um i am so excited for this one dude like this is going to be an awesome supersized episode and by that i mean i'm combining two episodes together or at least parts of two episodes uh we're Going to be replaying a couple parts from our episodes with the amazing Cameron Dorn. Cameron, for a while, held the world record, the Guinness World Record, for the most burpees in 24 hours. Um, So, the beginning of this episode is a replay of all the way back at episode 12 of the show. um, And one of the episodes I'm most proud of, uh, where Cameron shares the story of his world record burpee challenge uh and which is so awesome dude like like i said i'm really proud of the episode and mostly it's just because i enjoyed listening to cameron's story and the part where his eye gets stuck is one of the craziest things ever um so we're gonna play parts of that episode so if you're like oh man i didn't even re- remember this episode or i never went and listened to it uh there's more to the episode we talk about different ultras uh, 100ks we talk about when cameron and i met during a 50k um so that's episode number 12 so you can always go back and listen to the other parts of that i think i kind of clipped the last half of the episode um and then the uh other one is years later catching back up with cameron for episode number 213 after he set another guinness world record for most step-ups Um, which is awesome and I clipped that part of the episode so really we're here in his two world record stories that episode also has him telling stories of climbing mountains in Uganda uh, which you should totally 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 check out I mean the dude is just absolutely incredible Uh, I'm honored that I've been able to chat with him twice and stay connected uh, because of this project and Yeah, still hoping someday we get out there and head out on an adventure together uh, again. So let's just jump into it. This is Like a Bigfoot Podcast Summer Replay, the third one, third summer replay. This is Cameron Dorn just setting world records. All right, man, I want to hear all about the burpees.
1: Right, so the burpees were the medium. Um, it was a fundraiser to raise funds for Wearshall's High School and also some kids in Peru because we're going mountaineering, climbing there. Uh, and I travel a good bit, and I'm all about leaving a lasting impact rather than just traveling for tourism. So I came up, I was like, what can I do as an awesome fundraiser? Well, not sell candy bars, not do a car wash, <laughs> let's hit a, a set of Guinness World Records. So I <laughs> looked up Guinness World Records, came across burpees, and I was like, oh, That's actually doable. The world record was 7,684. Calculated the math per minute, and it was like five or something per minute. And I was like, I could actually break that record for 24 hours. Probably had some coffee at that time. I was really feeling good about life because that was not an easy task to break. But (laughs) I immediately submitted an application to break this world record, and and we went down that road to break the burpee world record. (laughs) For most burpees
0: in 24 hours. So no beer involved, just coffee? Not Nothing at all, just coffee. <laughs> was there... I was actually, it was a late night at work, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, burpee world record, great. So are you the type of person that once you say you're going to do something, nothing's going to stop you from doing it? That's That is absolutely correct. <laughs> Those are the best kind of people. <laughs> yeah, what other way is there, you know? Yeah. Did you tell anybody that night or just to yourself? Yeah, I went home, actually. I was in
1: South Carolina at the time, and I went to my parents' house that night. And I was like, oh, I finally got an idea for this fundraiser because the high school, the kids just got a cross-country team, right? Okay. And they, like, I went up there and helped coach with the kids here and there, and the, the kids did not have the proper shoes. Like They were running in like non-running shoes, and we know. That's how we met, you and I, running, yeah. like how important footwear is, especially at a young age. So
0: it was all a fundraiser to get them the proper shoes. Okay. Which was, yeah. What's your hometown like? I I know you're from South Carolina, but is it big town or rural or what? Oh, man. Waterloo, South Carolina,
1: population 164, man. (laughs) And then I went to a high school like uh, nine miles away called Ware Shoals. Okay. Um, and it's one of the smaller high schools in the entire state, wow. and also does not have the tax base that these large schools have. So there's really not that many companies in the area that pays into it. So they couldn't say we're paying for shoes for kids for a cross country team. That's what awesome. I'm saying.
0: Awesome. Um, why? What? Uh, can you explain a little bit about the the other school you're you looking to help? Yeah, the other school in Peru. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was a school. Uh, A friend of mine had been down there climbing before. We actually going in like uh, six, this was like six or seven months down the road. It was in Juarez, Peru, called Seeds of Hope. And then that school down there, they didn't have the necessary funding to even provide like school supplies to the kids. And it, would, and it goes back to, the like, the mindset is I always say small town does not mean small opportunity. So to show the kids in Ware Shoals, even though they were from a small town, that they had so much opportunity and to not take that for granted versus, some, like, the kids in Peru at the time didn't even have the necessary school supplies to learn and grow. So it was really
0: beneficial to both parties. Awesome. So... Wow, So did the schools know? Like did they come out and support you when you started the the Burbies? Yeah, oh, where shoals did. Yeah. Like I spoke at where Shoals before. Um,
1: I graduated Where Shoals in two thousand six and I was like captain of the football team, student body president and man, I love where shoals. So <laughs> like I've always had a really close link with them. Yeah. 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 The school in Peru, not so much because no. they're like five thousand miles away. Obviously. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> they knew it was coming, but they weren't able to like
0: there they didn't write you and they're like hey can you reenact this down here now <laughs> yeah by that time man i was retired you know that burpee <laughs> is not, not, not something
1: i really go for that much anymore yeah. <laughs> do you do any now yeah i mean here and there when yeah. it comes up like what is a burpee and then i like
0: if i don't get an instant like midday nightmare then i'll show them I mean, burpees are easily the worst exercise, and like the most painful. They're probably the most beneficial, but they're one of the most painful exercises you possibly could do. Yeah.
1: Like, it is the hardest full-body exercise bar none. It's, it's, it's scientifically been
0: proven in, in so many ways. Like, And football coaches use it as punishment. Um, I think it's like Spartan Race or something. If you mess something yeah. up, you have to do 30 burpees or whatever. 30 burpees, and they
1: advertise it being, like, the worst ever. And I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. It's
0: not that bad. Dude, okay, so I did 100 burpees today because I'm like, I got to do at least a couple, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you were motivated, dude.
1: That makes me feel great. For nothing else alone, like, I'm glad you did 100 burpees. Yeah, Thank man. They, yeah, dude,
0: I might do a couple more when we're done talking. But, well, I guess as – someone who is staying home with two kids right now burpees are a really easy exercise you can do when you only have like five minutes you know exactly so and you said you did them in hotel rooms so it's kind of the same thing here you don't need much space you don't you don't need any equipment so yeah yeah so I recommend everyone do it, it.
1: 100%. <laughs> and it works both. It works both your muscles and your um, aerobic conditioning system. So it's cardio and essentially strength training at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's great. What? Um, how did you train for this?
1: Uh, I, I believe it's one of those things. Is I had a lot of base fitness coming into this from triathlon and growing up playing football, basketball, and lifting weights. You don't train to uh, break the Guinness World Record in burpees if you don't have a sound bass. Like, I would not recommend that to anyone. Like, <laughs> oh, you want to break the world record. No, don't do that if you really don't understand your body, understand the energy systems, how to fuel it long term. And it, it goes core. There's so much that goes into it, but yeah. that's only a culmination of your own experiences prior to
0: I love that too because I think of this every time I do any sort of endurance race is in the middle of it at some point I'll think of everything I've done up until that point and it's all built up it's all built up to where you are right now going through whatever you're going through (laughs) you know and yeah it's kind of like a lifelong attitude of training I guess um it, exactly it's you're
1: getting new experiences under your belt, and over time that prepares you for yet
0: just again, new experiences, harder experiences, and that's how you grow yeah so you you said you're going to do it, and then how how long until you went for it three months yeah yeah, not much time <laughs> and during that time you were raising money and Right. I had a GoFundMe page. Are you familiar with those? Oh, yeah, Where yeah, Where people
1: log on and do
0: Yeah. Okay. And it
1: was, the whole goal became, somewhere along the line, I decided yet again, even though the world record at the time was 7,684, it's like, I'm going to do 10,000 of these. So it was 10,000
0: burpees for $10,000. Okay. You're like, that makes more sense and sounds cooler. <laughs> yeah, but... That is a bold move to make that call, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so going into it, what challenges did you expect? Challenges as far as physically during during the actual event itself. Yeah, like what did you ex- like? What was your expectations going in? I mean, obviously, your mindset is you're definitely going to be it, and you're definitely getting ten thousand, but. Yeah. What were what challenges were you really preparing for?
1: Well, the challenge to to break a Guinness World Record, it involved a ton of planning. So luckily, we used the Fujifilm set. Some of the instructors that had been working with Fujifilm, the company, they volunteered to certify it. So you had to have two um, qualified instructors at all times there counting the burpees. <laughs> So organization or the organizational part of it was very intensive, I would say. Um, Nutrition, looking at that and saying, how am I going to fuel this? You know, I had a friend as far as like, what is the actual toll this is going to take on my body? I have a friend. She's a personal trainer. She called me a couple days before the event. She's like, Cameron, I just want you to know our entire personal training studio is just going to watch, and we're going to use you as a lab experiment because they're thinking you're going to get rhabdo and everything. I was like, great. That's fantastic (laughs) to know from a professional standpoint, you know? (laughs) Um, The Spartan Race founder tried to break the burpee world record before. And he had a YouTube video, and I could see, like, he was totally glycogen depleted, and he said some things about how it was impossible to intake the food because your body is in that position, in the plank position, and it can't digest it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I was like, all right, that just gave me more fuel to really break the world record because I was like, oh, I understand this, and how do you break this world record? It's simply by managing your heart rate. Right, so your body can absorb it. Yeah. Rather than going all out at a time, like those interval based. Yeah, yeah. You want to do a more steady state and plan. That way, you can plan when you fuel throughout the the, the attempt.
0: Can you describe <laughs> your, your fueling plan? Yeah, the fueling plan was all
1: based, um, you get my your weight in kilograms essentially. And then what I did was multiply that by four, okay, and that's how many calories I tried to bring in per hour, and that was necessary to function, I thought. Yeah. But on the caveat of that I was like, the more calories, the better to fuel down the line. So some some hours I was able to get in 500, 600 calories, and I was like, that's great because I was keeping it down, and not not feeling any GI issues or feeling like I was gonna throw them back up. So I knew I was really down a good path when I was six hours in, eight hours in and digesting over four hundred calories per hour. Okay. What were you eating? And Chris I can't <laughs> lie to you. It started out pretty healthy I and then mean, Coca Cola started coming in for some glycogen. <laughs> that is the truth. Um, subway donated a six foot long sub. Uh, it was hilarious. There's a cheeseburger joint up the road in Greenwood where the attempt took place and they heard about it taken. So they came down with cheeseburgers because 'cause they're like, This guy is hungry. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know I could do that. Did you? But what's that did you go I did for the not che- have a cheeseburger? <laughs> no.
0: Man, that's no. what like I think people who haven't done an ultra endurance event before you assume one thing, where you assume everyone's just super healthy the whole time, maybe drinking some water here and there. Um, yeah. But then you get there, and you know you're eating quesadillas, regular Coca Cola. Uh, totally. Yeah, like you're just consuming any. Well, at least for me, I just consume anything and everything I possibly can. Right, but right, cheeseburgers There's a science,
1: I had definitely a science too, but there's
0: that point where you're like, look, I need calories. Yeah. So what do I want to eat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheeseburgers, though, might be pushing it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I had some like, uh, there, there was a, a local pizza place, craft pizza place that brought in like these sandwiches. And I was like, oh, my God, these are awesome, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was literally picking and choosing. I had a cooler next to me with all kinds of drinks in it. Yeah. And just copious amounts of food. I, it's just. I had everything. It was a dream come true, really. It really is. People were cheering you on to do exercises, and I'm just um, eating what I want. It it was awesome.
0: Yeah. That's part of doing the events, too, is at the end, you're just like, I can eat whatever the hell I want right now, and I'm just going to fully enjoy this, and pizza and beer just taste the absolute best. (laughs) And then you gain everything back. Then you, know? you get oh instantly, instantly. And more over the next week, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. so as you were going I mean I know you probably faced dark times, but was there any just giant challenges that came up unexpectedly?
1: Oh man, I tell you I lost the
0: the, the thing about
1: so much is on your wrist there, right? Time and time again being in that plank posture. So what I actually did was perform the the burpees on my knuckles. Okay. And then over time, think about skin on the mat, there's no skin left on my knuckles. So I lost all that skin. And that's at like hour eight, maybe like 3,000 burpees in, you just got bare knuckles. So doing about 7,000 burpees with just bare knuckles, even though I have gloves on, I mean, that was every one of them, you felt it, right? Wow. <laughs> What about? And then I lost a couple toenails. Obviously, (laughs) yeah. Because I went barefoot, yeah. And then they just, I mean, it was almost like you get into that mindset where you're like, okay, I know this is coming and it comes and then. I remember I was like, I did one time. The first time I was with the toenail, I did still like 200 more doses later. I was like, yeah, oh, I need to change my socks.
0: out, <laughs> you know? It's like whatever. Did anyone see it? <laughs> like, cause I know you had a crowd of people there watching. Were you like? Yeah, yeah. Did you I, hold there up was the a toenail? <laughs> hold up the toenail? No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't really. I was, I was
1: so surgical almost. I'd say on that day, like as far as frill and. It was great interacting with people, but I was there for a purpose yeah. to get
0: those burpees done, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I remember when we first met. Well, okay, so real quick story. I remember it was we were doing a 50K, and it was the Quest for the Crest. So it was supposedly the hardest 50K in the United States, and you gained, like, 12,000 feet or something ridiculous in 30 miles. <laughs> Like the remember the first five k took an hour to get up that hill. <laughs> yeah, there was no trail. It was just
1: ribbons tied yeah. to this like private land to go up the mountain.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, because I always every time I go to Asheville, I want to go back up that trail, and I'm I never know where it's at. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but anyway, so we're like, I just will always remember this. We're at mile twenty six, and I'm feeling like garbage like i smell bad i've been having like (laughs) digestive issues all day like you know my legs are all cramped up i'm limping right and then all of a sudden i just (laughs) i hear someone behind me say hey chris we only have like six more miles to go i'll see you at the finish line for a beer and i looked back and it looked like you had just woken up showered, and was sprinting, and you just sprinted, you just sprinted by me, and I'm like, well, that's probably the last time I see him during this race, <laughs> and uh, I turned to your buddies, who were uh, racing with us, and I was like, what is his deal, and they were like, oh yeah, he, uh, they were telling me about the burpees, obviously, and they're like, yeah, he's just the craziest athlete we've ever been around. <laughs> There we go. And that's how we met. You know, we talked plenty yeah. before then, but that—that that's yeah. that is a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I saw some... So, anyways, I brought that story up to my eighth graders when we were talking about energy. Because so I'm like, dude, that, yeah. was, that was the most... Repre- like, the greatest representation of energy I've ever seen. Because <laughs> so I'm like, well, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, so... I looked up something online and you mentioned at one point you were so dehydrated your eyeball-like. Oh, fitness. yeah, during the burpee. <laughs> yeah, during the burpee.
1: Yeah, so this even for me, so I'm fascinated with anatomy and the, and the body, right? But I never – the. here's the way it was described to me from a medical doctor at the time. I can put it this way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like – the, the burpee challenge was supposed to last 24 hours started at 4 p.m. on Friday and went to 4 p.m. on a Saturday so it's by now like 18 hours in 19 hours in somewhere in there and my body was so in tune like it could just do burpees like if I did any other movement like lifting my legs up or anything like that in the standing position it was so weird it was like, it was like I feel like it's just gonna shut down yeah but it was like just do more burpees. Don't spend time doing anything else. <laughs> so I got this awesome, he's a great friend of mine. His name's Roy Lemon. He's a football coach in the next school, like district over. So he just starts getting in front of me and shouting, "Camera, 20, 10. And he's just like putting me on, like total drill sergeant screaming at me. And just we're knocking burpees out on the minute, right? Yeah. And he's, he's telling me how me to do each minute or whatever. And it gets to that point, and I did burpees this one time, and, like, oh my body, I'm cold by this time. I'm so cold, you know, and that's a sign of dehydration, right, and everything's going on. And then I stand up, and then I, like, you know, and I'm, like, my left eye had just shot in. Like, it was, like, just – I couldn't even – I'm, like, what is going on? My eye's not closed, but it, it looks down, and I'm looking right, right down on my, like, feet, my bare feet. It's so weird, like – Something, as I'm standing up, I can just see my feet in my left eye. I'm like, that's not normal. But your right, the eye other was, right eye Yeah. Yeah, the the right eye is looking straight forward. My left eye is just, like, stuck down in my feet. I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, it takes you a second to process all this. And I'm like, my eye, and I'm, like, consciously blinking and trying to, like, work my eye again. I'm like, my eye is stuck in place right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so something about This is what I was told by the guy, and I was like, Roy, that was his name. I was like, is there something wrong with mine? He's like, dude, what's wrong with your eye? And I was like, I asked (laughs) you if something's wrong with mine. He's like, dude, what's wrong with your eye? And I'm like, that's kind of literally the lingo we had back and forth. (laughs) And then I was like, I got to see about this. Like, I didn't want my eyeball being stuck like that for the rest of my life. But I was like, what can you really do? And then (laughs) there was a medical doctor there, David Bridges, And he explained something about my sodium being low and it could have caused it to be in in this place. And I'm like, that is really weird. So going back to the days of pickle juice and everything, I just chugged a bunch of pickle juice and took some electrolyte pills, which I've been taking the whole time, and then kind of massaged my eye, And then actually they put some drops in it, and then my eye, I guess, was fixed. (laughs) (laughs) That's the technical term
0: you want to call it, it. It moved again. Under my control <laughs> Man. Did you did it hurt the next day at all?
1: No, no. Really? Thank goodness. You know, I'm still like slightly worried that my eye will go back in that position sometimes. I mean I don't know why I think about it if I'm doing hard balance to exercise. I'm like I hope this does not cause my eye to go back in the- <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like gunshine now almost. Yeah, no, no, I'm fine, but it just comes into my head sometimes, like, whoa, that's a bad thought, don't do it, you yeah. know? <laughs> I remember once I was playing hockey, um, and I got hit in the head somehow, and I, my eyes just instantly, like, looked different ways, and it was yeah. the weirdest <laughs> thing, because you're seeing two different visions at once, it's almost like you have a superpower, right. you know? right. But I remember yeah, just going was a over superpower I did not want yeah. I don't want, yeah. you know yeah <laughs> wow man <laughs> was it... so was that kind of like the lowest moment or was there a, a moment that was worse than that I mean that's weird maybe not worse but
1: yeah I'd say I mean it was a true I kept I am a, a firm believer when you're when you're going through any struggle whatever it may be mentally physically you can never succumb to the challenge right you entered that for a reason, and I consciously like if bad thoughts were coming in my head, same way in any race, you got to be like, all right, pl- replace them with a good thought. You, I just don't spend time on like the negative energy
0: part of it. So,
1: okay. I'm sure they came in, but they're for they're forgotten so,
0: immediately. Yeah, gotcha. And and the other thing you told me was that you had Rocky on like constant rotation. Yeah,
1: yeah, VHS tapes right in front of me. I'm an old-school guy. I love records, VHS. So yeah. it was like Terminator 2 in front of me. I got to watch Rocky movies. Oh, that, that was what was on. So I was watching TV when I was knocking out burpees. It's yeah. fantastic. Top yeah, yeah. Gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was the playlist? Just those three movies or... Oh, there was so much more. There was a um, cliffhanger was on there. You got to love that from Colorado with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. And just, just a range of uh, old VHS. I had the Sandlot. lot. Man, it was
0: all just good stuff. That's great. That was great, man. That's like the external motivation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, did, I mean, you? you mentioned like kind of interacting with the crowd, but did their like energy help you at all, or did it was it oh, a distraction? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. No, no. I tell you, it was cool because like you were right
1: there, and that in the place I broke the record was called the Sweatbox. Um, it was like a personal training gym studio, so I trained in there specifically for it, and it was it was close to my apartment. It was only like two or three miles away, so I would go there and lead up to it, and I would actually do burpees sometimes at night on like 1 1 to 4 a.m. Okay. Just to train my body to be active during that
0: time. So oh, I was wow. completely within an environment that I knew. Yeah, man. When did uh when did you end what time of day? 4 p.m. Okay. Okay. So you went you started off by going through the night. Yeah, yeah. And just you just wanted to get that out of the way right away or or what? Yeah, I wanted to get that out of the
1: way and then at the same time to capitalize on I, I I'd consciously I just work out better in the evenings, so that way I could start in the evening time okay. and then finish. Uh, in the after it was afternoon, but that's around the time I always perform my best workouts around four o'clock. So
0: that's why I went for that. Gotcha, man! Um, so when you finished, what did you do to celebrate? Well, you know, everyone got
1: on the theme. Let's celebrate a Guinness with a Guinness. Yeah, really don't, you know? So we we went down that road. Which, it, I want to tell anyone that's listening to this and going for a burpee world record challenge for twenty four hours, don't do it. <laughs> do not celebrate a Guinness with a Guinness. Go to bed, because I felt terrible, absolutely horrible. Yeah. The next forty eight hours after that, I stayed up from four p.m. that night until like two a.m. So it was almost like forty eight hours.
0: So I'm and a- then I was oh horrible. I'm assuming there was more than one Guinness? I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Lot of <laughs> it was definitely not just one. <laughs> let's just say that, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, and then how, how long did you take time off after that? Or did you just go into exercising again? Or were you sore for a few weeks? I was definitely sore. Because what, what
1: I was... Most, I, I made the joke that when I woke up the next day, I felt like I was 90. And then the next day I was 80. So I got like 10 years of my life back each day. There you go. felt like from soreness-wise. Uh, but, I, I mean, it was two or three days later. And I was doing a ton of hydration. There's nothing. If, if You know this. If we're not moving, our bodies are not really repairing themselves. Yeah. So I went for a light jog and just got on the exercise
0: bike and stuff. Okay. So, cool, man. Yeah. So... There's no way this was your first, like, extreme event, <laughs> right? I mean, did you did you do stuff like this when you were little? I mean, I got a video my dad showed me
1: while I went home for Christmas the other year of me being on a treadmill, like, a year and a half old, and he's like, let go of the rails. <laughs> I let go of the rails, you know, and I just walk on a treadmill, so... But I'd never done any endurance events before then. Like, I, mean, I never any, like, ultra, games. like standard triathlon, Ironman, one Ironman. Okay. But nothing, nothing to like. Mm, burpees sound a little absurd. And they still are. They are
0: <laughs> still absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime in my workout, I decide I'm going to do burpees, there's always a little voice in the back of my head that's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So you told me something that day that I haven't forgotten since. Um, it was like oh, right. when, <laughs> a couple of things. But when you're really tired and you're just destroyed and you're hitting that like bonking phase. Do you remember what you said? Yeah. I can't. Was it embrace the to suck? Uh, sort of. It was more along the lines of Mortal Kombat. Tell me. Tell me more. Okay. You're like, you know that guy in Mortal Kombat with the hat? And I was like, or what Raiden? or Raiden. Raiden. I remember. yeah, The energy. Yeah. You're like, he shoots lightning bolts out of his hands. So he's like, you, you said, when I get really tired, I just pretend like I'm shooting lightning bolts out of my hands. And it gives me energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's... But they got me fired up, Dude. You know? Yeah. I was like, that's a great piece of advice. You know?
1: Let's let the energy flow through
0: man yeah it is yeah i want to hear about the step up world record so not upper body strength at all (laughs) all lower body strength uh just randomly seemingly to me and everyone else except maybe you uh you you got up one day went to work after work decided i'm gonna go for the step up world record like right now
2: yeah randomly is absolutely correct (laughs) <laughs> uh, and the back of my I, there's a couple exercises that I do in the gym that are really good like s- explosion step ups where you alternate legs jump off the box because that helps with like climbing I do a ton of mountaineering and things so that really helps you with the power to propel yeah. yourself up the mountain and with a pack on it helps build up that quad so I guess in the back of my head when I moved here during quarantine I just the gyms were open for a little bit in Arizona and then they closed down and one of the things I always do in the gym is step-ups, but in the place I'm living, it actually has a box already here. I was like, oh, that's fake, right? <laughs> so I looked, I was like, there has to be a world record for step-ups because it's such a common exercise. It's one of the things like Guinness, all they have push-ups, pull-ups, all that. Yeah. So I Googled Guinness step-up world record. And I was expecting maybe it to be like a one-hour record or something, but it happened to be eight hours.
0: Why? Why eight hours? That was that was a question when I saw it.
2: I don't even know. You yeah, know, it was eight hours set in 2011. That's the only record they have for step ups. They have one um, where it's like with a hundred pound pack or something for a mm. minute. Um, but I like the longer stuff because what it does to your mind. Yeah. So, and then I saw that the step was 15 inches, and I was like, "Okay, the one I have is 14 inches, but I have some flooring that's like an inch. <laughs> the gyms we build, right? Yeah. There was some leftover flooring, so it's an inch thick. So it's like, oh, put two of those down, and I step on one, that makes it 15, you know? <laughs> uh, and then I was quarantined. I mean, I know we're doing coronavirus, but I went and got I, when I was in Washington, I was climbing with my girlfriend and i came back and I had a fever for a couple days and i'm like man i'm just being socially responsible i went through one of the drive through places to get tested and once i got tested i come in i was like until i know the test i'm gonna stay inside yeah right? uh, but I, I was like step up record in the back of my head i'm staying inside all like, i got to step uh let's clear this fever two days after the fever was gone I, in the back of my head, I just finished a certification when I quarantined too. And when I moved here, I started a certification on nutrition. So I was like, I got to put this to the test. Usually I would test it by doing like a long bike ride or something long run. It's like, what a perfect way to a, see what I put into practice with this nutrition if it yeah. works. Yeah. So, and B to do it during quarantine. So I can look back at this time in my life and know I did something positive rather than just moped around and watch Netflix.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: B was like, I'm the kind of person now where I can't stand people that like say they're going to do something. They always talk about it. I'm like, I'm just going to do this and video this and after I'll talk about it. And it could be like, that hurt or man, that was a success. So once those are all aligned, you're the same way. You're a doer, man. It's like, I can't sit and not do it. Like I finished work on Friday at like one o'clock and then I'm like, let's rock and roll, had some cold (laughs) brew, (laughs) set the step up, got Pandora on the TV in front of me, set the video cameras up, and just recorded the thing and went on a go-to meeting with my girlfriend, and I didn't share it with anybody except Holly, and so she jumped on periodically and would like, say something, and I'm just stepping in place, man.
0: Was she like, you still stepping up, and you're like, yeah, you're like, (laughs) Yeah,
2: she locked in randomly, and she would like, because it was on go-to meeting, the whole thing was recorded, and she would like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, what do you think I'm doing? You know, like we're just, <laughs> But it worked out to be 13,650 feet of gain and loss in eight hours.
0: That's insane, man. Just that stat alone is insane to me, but also seeing the video and seeing how many steps you were doing. And I read your, your post the other day, you said, I can't even read my writing 23 per minute is what you had to shoot for and obviously you must have gotten did you get more than that or
2: and that's up and down so i didn't even do the double that's step up so i could step (laughs) onto the platform
0: that's insane man well i i mean i have to ask this too you're waiting for a covid test to come back like did it come back during this or before it or were you Still, still waiting
2: still pending man i'm still eight days out
0: so you could have done this all possibly i mean obviously just recovering from being sick from something you know right
2: that's yeah insane. the oxygen i always measure like with climbing yeah. i have an o2 meter my oxygen saturation usually oh you do, do that while
0: you're while you're climbing up mountains correct yeah oh, that's a good idea yeah. yeah
2: but i have one of those so i always check my like vitals my rest and heart rate and it was definitely off because my oxygen saturation was 92 93 but i knew on this, that I could stop anytime. I mean, what a controlled environment. I'm in my own house, yeah. right? Like, I had CytoMax bottles next to me. Dude, I, at I, over three, I had some fresh blueberries, yeah. and like, they just hit. I was so thankful for the littlest thing. Like, I'm eating fresh blueberries, and I'm just by that time already singing a song about blueberries. I just made up a song. Like, I'm, I'm so bored stepping in place about just I, blueberries are life. You know, it didn't even rhyme, but I just went with it. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Well, tell me about the nutrition or the fueling recommendations.
2: Yeah, so the course I took was a NASM nutrition coach. Uh, so then it one of the interesting things is anything under an hour, they say you don't need fuel for. But I just matched the carbohydrate recommendations of 35 to 60 grams per hour and added a little bit more because we're bigger guys with our body weight. Like I've always went off three times my body weight in kilograms. So, that's roughly around 250 calories an hour to shoot for on yeah. hard endurance efforts. Um, but this, I kept my heart rate a little more in check until the end. I actually negative split the step up thing. So, at the end, I, the last four hours, I did more than the first. Um, but I stayed on top and I felt great. My average heart rate was a little under 130. And it's such a, a muscular effort on the quads, like a pistol squat. Yeah. There's not much way to go more because you'll destroy your calves. Like for two days after, I could not walk like on my toes. I Frankenstein walk. My calves were destroyed, man.
0: Your calves?
2: Calves, yeah. Why,
0: why calves? I'm just trying to. Just imagine from the all movement. that
2: game, from stepping up and being mm. on the ball of your foot.
0: Mm, um, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, the Canadian guy that did it, he had a hip flexor injury, and he actually, I looked into it more and said on the Guinness thing that he had a heat stroke. I don't know what he was doing. It must have been hot in Canada, but he actually suffered a heat stroke and a hip flexor injury. <sighs>
0: Dude, how hot can it get in Canada? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm
2: sure it can get warm, but I made sure I had a little fan on me and I, I set the temperature right at 70.
0: here and Yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. He, I mean, I guess if you were outside in Arizona, it'd be a whole different story.
2: Oh, that's a whole different
0: story. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, oh, so I'm just trying to wrap my head around the nutrition thing. Like what what were you eating the whole time and like how did you get did you get it exactly what you wanted or were you like trying to get in the area or were you trying to be like as completely exact as you possibly could be since yeah i kept
2: it it exact like i wrote down exactly i've got a piece of paper over here where i wrote down exactly what i had but it was right at so i filled up cytomax is roughly 80 calories per bottle with uh just one scoop so i put a 20 ounce bottle And I put two and a half scoops in each Cytamax. So that was like a food bottle, essentially. And then on top of that, I set out the um, waffles, like the little honey stinger waffles Yeah. and a goo gel. And every hour I would alternate between a honey stinger waffle and a goo gel. The other thing, I was close to a sink. So I would drink water whenever I wanted water, kept filling. Um, Blueberries, hour three had a little watermelon at hour five just to change it up uh, but that's it man and, and honestly i felt great like at the end I, I bumped my heart rate up to 160 beats per minute and was just jumping off the step like i had kind of like when we raced together dude i had a ton of reserve if somebody said cameron you need to step up for another two hours i could have yeah. done it i wouldn't yeah. have been too happy but
0: i would have done it most energetic man on earth <laughs> <laughs> Patient, you know, I'll wait for it when I- <laughs> that's true, man. No, so the heart rate thing, obviously, like heart rate training is huge, and you've even mentioned with clients who've never been runners before, that's yeah. kind of the path you lead lead them down and i I mean, I would one hundred percent agree like if you're a new runner or new to exercise, heart rate should be the thing you're focused on. First, because otherwise you're going to push it too hard and burn out or not push it hard enough or whatever. So, like, what are you shooting for? for Absolutely.
2: Like you said, a lot of people may be like a weight loss journey or a body composition change. Man, they just try to go and get on the treadmill and go all out and do these workouts. But that is great. But you're burning just carbohydrates, essentially, and you're wearing your body down. Like, it cannot take that effort day in and day out. Uh, so i just try to go to like the metabolic efficiency zone on long stuff and for me that's nowhere near my max heart rate it's like 65 percent or so but i know i can stay there all day and just yeah. build up that base zone and like on efforts like that that's where i'll camp out at now if i'm racing it's a different story but like these long trail runs with friends like last year we did the whole rim to rim to rim in the grand canyon and stuff man we just get there, we all hang out, we communicate together, make sure we're fueling, and it adds that level of safety in and removes yeah. a little bit of the unknown.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, and when I've talked to people about ultra running, that's why I try to, like, because I think people have this view of people running 50, 100 miles, you know, as fast as they possibly could. Now, like, obviously, there are those huge, like, elite, elite, guys who can go and girls who can go do that and just crank it out. But I'm like, for most of us, like you want to be able to keep a conversation pace, you know, you're, you're not out of breath. If you're out of breath, you're like screwing yourself over basically.
2: Exactly, man. That's the aerobic threshold that you just described. Once you go over that, that means you're kind of going out of zone two, which that you're, yeah. So we want to stay in zone two or in breath. That's a great way to describe it
0: but i guess with this like just that movement of stepping up like that's an exhausting movement so how i mean obviously you're in great shape so that's probably part of it but like keeping that heart rate down like it just seems that would be more difficult i guess exactly i
2: think then it goes to the sport specific strength of doing a lot of those to build up the quadricep strength Yeah. right um like, two years ago, I was on a rappel. I was actually on the border of Uganda and the Congo, rappelling off the third highest mountain in the middle of nowhere, Africa. Beautiful place, the Ruwenzoris, Zoris. And that's where I think I injured my hip. Either there or a skiing accident. So, I got an MRI on it, and there's some slight scar tissue. My labrum's not torn. But since then, I've, like, dedicated on those machines when the gyms open my abductor and adductor. You know those machines most of the time you just see ladies on? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I am the guy that lives on that machine. I mean, I don't even care. When I first started, I was doing 40 pounds on each one of them. But I will straight pulse all day with my inner
0: thighs. Now, now have you looked for a Guinness World Record? Uh, <laughs> <for> <laughs> no, that, that is machine? just
2: that is just to keep my body going. Because, I mean, we take it, We really beat our bodies up. So you have to be proactive to take care of them. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those sport-specific things. Doing that, I think, allowed me to build up those muscle groups in my quads from step-ups to allow my body to stay at that heart rate because I had the muscular strength. If you don't have that muscular strength, it's like taking the Kenyan to the Ironman that they've tried to do a couple times, right? Like yeah. the great marathoner doesn't have that sport-specific leg strength to power the bike. Gotcha. And- and he doesn't throw down the times that you would expect him to because he doesn't have that sport specific
0: strength. Yeah. Is that kind of why? Let's, I, if I get on my like trainer, my bike trainer, and I'm not, I don't, I do it like once every week basically. So it's not yeah. the thing I do all the time. I sweat a billion times more on that machine than any time I go for a run. Is that, yeah. does that have something to do with it or just because my legs aren't as used to that or yeah. what?
2: The two things can happen there. It's like running on the treadmill too. There's no breeze coming at you. At least mm, when you're running, you're okay. creating some wind to cool you down, right? Yeah. So yeah, you're sitting inside. If there's not a fan on you, you are going to sweat. You're going to notice
0: it. Okay. Um, nice, that makes sense. Dude, I have to ask about Uganda. You can't just throw like, hey, I was on the border of Uganda rappelling and just super like- Super thick,
2: man. Uh, <laughs> they're called the Ruizori Mountains, Mountains of the Moon. Okay. Um And- Went there. I've climbed Kilimanjaro. Since we last talked, climbed Kilimanjaro with the girlfriend last year. But before that, I went. And this place is off the beaten track, man. Like, no one goes there. So, flew into Kampala, then took a little transport plane to a dirt airstrip out into Kasase and landed. Only one off the plane. They let me off, right? Russian pilot. Get off the plane. And then I'm on this dirt airstrip. Then on the back of the dirt airstrip, get on the back of a motorbike because I had arranged to meet this guy named John Hunwick, which was in the Australian Special Forces, right? This old cat is, all, I mean, he's like 65, tough as nails, has one lung, but still hiking, and he owns a service called Ruin Trekking Services, okay? I did like three months of recon on this to even him. <laughs> yeah, I had to read a telegraph, like the London newspaper, The Telegraph is how I found out this guy lived here. And then he had two guys that, because Mount Stanley's still a glacier, and it's not like a shield volcano. Say, like, Mount Hood, it looks like a shield, and at the top. Yeah. Yeah, this is a whole range. So the White Nile comes out of there. The Blue Nile comes out of Lake Victoria. So I wanted to see what the White Nile, like, find the source of the Nile is an iconic thing, right? So I wanted to climb to the top of this mountain. Cause nobody goes there. It looks like Jurassic park in the photos that you go through. Uh, I'm looking skip. at
0: some pictures right now, man. That's, that's 100% correct.
2: Yeah, Jurassic park, dude, six <laughs> days. Didn't see another soul went in with these two guys that were super cool and was just out there in the wilderness, man. And I mean, we skipped camp the last day. it ended up being like an 18-hour day because we skipped one camp and then climbed it and came back down but i i I broke one of my rules like testing out new gear right
0: yeah yeah
2: Um, i've always wore the same size mountaineering boot so i ordered some lighter boots because you had to kind of trek through the mud and everything here like wear what they call gum boots that come up to your knee but i was like i can use my climbing boots for that but the boots didn't really, the sole didn't break in. So they were still slippery a good bit on the, on the rock, the type of rock and the lichen or the moss. So repelling down, it wasn't icy all the way, but there were some spots. So I repelled and then my left leg popped out of the side. And you ever feel that? Like it, just, it was just like a pop in my interior yeah. hip. And I think that's when the injury like occurred.
0: Is there any fear? Like when you're in the middle of nowhere, And you have something kind i mean i know that's not like a broken leg or anything like that but like something kind of went wrong is there any fear in that moment or is it just like what you said earlier like i just got to focus on what i can actually get done here
2: i think the body right then because you're on the rope and you're repelling and i was in the clouds and like you really can't see even where the rope ends at the bottom all the way i came up it right with a dumar so i knew that everything was good to go down so it's like immediate damage control. Like, all right, we can worry about that hip once we get off this rope. Right? Yeah. And then the, kinda, the, the frustrating thing was walking back down after the boots even slipped more. So I took a couple more falls and just really beat up my hip. But I was so thankful to be back down and like off the rocky part right next to the glacier that I was like, man, the whole experience of climbing the highest mountain in the Congo, because it's on the border yeah. of Uganda and Congo. It's called Mount Stanley. I was stoked. And that's what life's all about. You know,
0: that's dude, that's incredible, man. Like even I, how did I, how did you even come up with that? You just said you read an article about it or.
2: Well, I've got a really good friend. Um, he's a Marine helicopter pilot. Yeah. This cat saved his money. Um, and he's not worked in like six years. So he just travels around the world, lives half the time in Poland and Philippines and we're climbing partners. So we've climbed in Peru together, New Zealand. Um, we climbed Mount Rainier together the other year. Uh, he told me about it and I was like, all right, I'm game on. You know? <laughs> and something happened that he couldn't make it. So both of us are just chargers. And when it gets in our head, like, yeah. I was just all focused on making it happen.
0: That's awesome. And I remember seeing a map once and it, it was kind of like colored by the, by how easily accessible places are. Like, right. can you get to a place, I think it was all from like New York city or something. So it was like, can you get from New York city to uh, a place in six hours? Could you get there in a day? Can you get there in two days? And then there was like all these places that was like, um, it takes a whole entire week or it takes two weeks even. And I'm like, wow, for there to be places in the world where it still takes two weeks or more to travel there is incredible. And
2: it makes it so worth it, man. Yeah. Like, I love Central. Central Africa's wild. On that trip, I saw an African spitting cobra. Um, I saw a silverback gorilla out in the jungle. I got pictures of a silverback gorilla. Actually, then he was with, like, a couple females. And then the silverback gorilla started mating with one of the females. And I'm, like, three feet away. Seriously. It was it's, – it's, like, one of those things, like, I have that video on my phone. And I'm, like, is that National Geographic or is that legal? You know? <laughs>
0: That's amazing, man. Wow, dude. I just, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's super cool that you, you know, are able to go out and do that. And, um, you know, we'll get back to the step up world record for a second, but one thing I remember, uh, the story you told me about, um, when you decided to head off on your own, uh, make your own path instead of just working for another company or something like that, that, that was the story that, you know, I just really, Respected and admired you for because, um, because I think like going off on your own path and making your own way has allowed you to go out and do ex- like have experiences like that. You know.
2: Yeah, and, and I think there's certain times in life that we have the we have the, there's opportunities for us, but you have to have the courage of the as an individual to make that what others would see as a difficult choice, but the right choice. Yeah, right. If you everybody's different. But if I didn't make that courageous decision at the time, there's no way I would be making the decisions I am making now because I've not built up that. I don't want to say base, but I've built up those wealth of experiences where if I'm confronted with a hard decision or something that others might not want to do, I'm like, yeah, it's a learning experience. Let's go into it with an open mind. And then I always say, like, when you walk into the unknown, you're answering those questions. You didn't even know were there in the first place. Right. Yeah. And then you can share those experiences. Like I'm sharing with you now about what the other side of the world looks like. And it's kind of empowering, but at the same time, it's a way of life, man. And I'm, I'm committed to that way of life.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, so back up to the, you know, <laughs> it's funny, like going from an experience where you're in Africa all the way across the country to like which seems so open and vast and, and now you're also doing an adventure in your apartment or your house doing the step, doing a step up world record yeah. like which seems so like, you know, closed, closed in. Uh, but it's cool that you can do both. And um, so when you're doing it though, I read uh, on your post, um, no TV, no music. You weren't doing Rocky on VHS this time we no. weren't doing top gun on vhs like like the no, burpees like the burpees yeah <laughs> so what's what's going through your mind you know yeah
2: well i tell you the first 200 was were the toughest like i put on pandora cuz i'm in front of a tv and i put on pandora the first 200 or so yeah and man i had a dark place like i had no when we did the burpee world record, it really had a purpose um, to raise the funds for wear shoals in the school in Peru. And we yeah. still outfit man, that's still going on. Like the school in Peru and they've still got the climbing wall down there, the school supplies, like that's a lasting impact. This is one of those things I just wanted to do because it needed to be done. Like there yeah. was no real underlying reason. It's depth. no, do it because you want yeah. to do it. So yeah. I, I turned everything off at around the 200 marker, like eight, eight minutes in. And just kind of like, it's funny, but just went inside my own head and found something to hang on to. Like, And that moment was like, do this because you just want to do it. And then I was like, once you have something to hang on to, then you can bring back more like stimulus to keep you going. And so then after about 1,000, I turned back on Pandora and just listened to music the rest of the time. And it could have been Elton John to Jim Croce to War on Drugs Radio, just a varied amount, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. I like that idea because I just think there's so much to like, you'll tell people that you'll go for a run without headphones and people will be like, I can't believe you do that. How do you do that? And you're like, I mean, I, I think through things kind of. And I also yeah. at the same time, don't think about anything, <laughs> you know? That's it. Yeah, dude. There,
2: I think anything where you have to rely on external sensory or motivation, then you're, if you start to rely on it, like a pre-workout drink or some kudos on social media or something to get you started right like just because we sign it's great if you sign up for a race but if you sign up for a race and people are like congrats before you actually do it it actually f- fulfills part of your dream that you already done it and you think that you've already done part of it but when you really you've done nothing but toe the line yeah so I'm just all about like, man, if there was no social media, I was in a just all alone, like, dude, I just want to do it because I want to do it. And that's the life. Like, I love living that life and I'm committed to it.
0: That's amazing, <laughs> man. Yeah, I like you wrote uh action first and then reflecting. Like, do it. Just get it done, you know?
2: Yeah, it's powerful, man. And then whatever's inside of you, you get to express it and then you actually talk about the result to others or or that could have been in a like a catastrophic failure. We could have been talking at 6,000. My knee became dislocated. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would have sucked, but I would have learned like, Hey, step ups aren't for me. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. I know that's awesome. And I also like you use the term, which is the great, like an amazing term. One of the best things I've read is the conc- conquistador of the useless.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it doesn't have to have some deep purpose, right? Like uh, yeah. at the end of the day, um, do what you want to do because you want to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's yeah. That's, I mean, I think that kind of out of everything is, is the most important thing we can draw from, you know, cause if, if that is your internal drive, there's nothing that's going to defeat that. You know, like if you're like, I'm just doing this cause I actually want to do this, you know, self doubt, nothing's going to come in and knock you off that course then yeah yeah
2: <laughs> it's your i mean it's kind of cool and then you're in control of it right
0: <laughs> yeah dude no i love that man so was there was there a point like a like what did it feel like seven hours in? you said you actually sped up
2: yeah i think the hardest point i wrote it on there it was around six thousand or seven thousand man my knee around that point like stepping up there was just sharp shooting pain um right near my kneecap. I was like kind of afraid because you never want to hurt yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did about four or five and every one of them like was like, oh, and I was kind of relying on the pistol squat more or less and powering up through the quad rather than pushing off with my calves. Because yeah. if I pushed off with my left calf, that actually helped my right knee. But if I use my calf muscles, it's like a stair climber. If you, you can fatigue those smaller muscles much quicker than the larger muscle groups. So I've been cognizant of not to push off with my toes because that would have peaked my calves, therefore driving my heart rate up higher instead of using yeah. my large muscle group. So all that, even though it doesn't seem calculated at first, all that's in my head throughout the whole thing, right? Yeah. But then around that 7,000 mark, I then started pushing off more with my calves to compensate for my right quad sort of fatiguing and then shooting that pain. So I, I did put like a biofreeze on it. And I got one of those little self-massagers, a Hypervolt. So I stopped a little bit and warmed up the tissue around it as best I could. Yeah. And then took in nutrition and then went back to it cautiously. but got the job done.
0: And then it was, did it, I mean, did you still feel it or was it? Yeah. I was
2: consciously then pushing off with my calf more, Mm. which I think that's why I led to the calf fatigue because that was around 7,000. I did 10,920 steps. So the last 4,000 was more predominantly smaller muscle groups while the first 4,000 was mostly large muscle
0: groups. Yeah. I got you, man. Well, I'm just imagining you right now going into your house in the morning and seeing a neighbor waving at him like feeling good right and coming out of the house a day later like zombie walking frankenstein walking and your neighbor being like what just happened like i know he didn't leave the house
2: yeah yeah don't worry i didn't tell no one around here even knows anything you know (laughs) it's just whatever hey how you doing (laughs)
0: hey they're like did that guy just set a guinness world record in his in his house
2: (laughs) yeah the the thing too I always say to people, and we say this in business is like anything self-proclaimed is most likely a lie unless yeah. it's validated. So the worst thing I want to do, if somebody came up to me in the street and told me about the Guinness World Record, they said, like, shut up, you know? <laughs> What's
0: the point? Who's talking
2: about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: I remember uh going to football camp when I was uh going into my senior year, and we went yeah. to the University of Iowa's football camp. And so there are kids from, you know, all around the state, mostly. And my friend Sean had this roommate uh, and yeah, he, he didn't know him or anything. And the roommate just starts talking like, yeah, man, my dad invented arena football. And we we're like, sure, sure he did, man. Like, sure, your dad invented arena football. Yeah. We made fun of him the whole entire camp, obviously. Like, yeah, okay, okay, dude. And then later, we you know, we come home like a month later or not a month later but like a week later and we we go on google and of course he's not lying he's telling the truth and we're like but you're right dude like if you're going out just spouting it you know it's the worst and like
2: we can talk in confidence about adventure stories and stuff but it's just something you don't bring up like i can't stand like story toppers and stuff too you know like if anybody's always trying to tell extra story like there's no need for me to bring up a gorilla story at the end of the day or something. Just let it be. And, and honestly, I already know my stories. So it's more interesting to listen to other people's stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it just flows well. And if it comes up in conversation that I saw a gorilla mating in Uganda, then it comes up, but you just don't lead off the conversation about it. You know, uh,
0: man, I think you should lead off the conversation with that. <laughs> I, don't know.
2: I, I I think I'd be a lot to put up with. you know. <laughs>
0: that's amazing man well dude so you know what did you do when you finished then like how did you did you celebrate or did you just go to bed
2: yeah i was pretty pumped actually because i fueled right i was not hungry yeah which i couldn't believe um i had a couple beers in the fridge so i had two beers right and i was like (laughs) stoked about that (laughs) uh and other than that I couldn't go to sleep right away, but I invested earlier in quarantine with arcade. So I got a CM1, like full-size arcade in the house. (laughs) And I love Galaga and Dig Dug. So I think I hit a top five score on one of those that night. I think actually it was Dig Dug. I hit hit a score around 80,000, which I'm pretty happy
0: about. Dude.
2: That's it.
0: (laughs) That's amazing, man. Uh, speaking of world records and arcade games, One of the greatest documentaries I've ever seen was called King of Kong. Have you heard of this?
2: Absolutely, man.
0: Dude, I watched that movie once by myself and instantly was like, I turned to my wife. I'm like, you got to come in here and we got to re. I got to watch this again and watch it again. It was like one of the greatest sports movies I've ever seen, but it was about an arcade world record setting event.
2: Yeah. His name, Billy or something is his name, The
0: bad guy, dude. I was telling my neighbor about it. I'm like, the good guy is like a family man, teacher, like you're rooting for him. And then the bad guy is uh, Ben Stiller's character from Dodgeball. Yeah.
2: With the long hair, owns a hot sauce company, lives in Florida, Hollywood, Florida. The good guy, Steve Weebly, I think it's his name. He's um, from Washington State. I love that you
0: know this, man.
2: Yeah, man. Dude i love the fact of the um twin twin galaxies holds the records for arcade games yes one day it would be an honor of mine to break an arcade record like i love my i'm not even going down a side road galaga i use it a a dry erase marker and i learn on the levels of what are the kill zones so i mark on there to stay away from those kill zones so i can be better over time dude
0: that's amazing man well uh Dude. Yeah, you totally should. I think, is it, is it relaxing to you? Is it a way to like, you know, you're working all day, especially being an entrepreneur. I have to imagine it's just like constant, like you could yeah. work constantly probably. And yeah. you probably it need- never
2: turns off, dude. It's always in the back of my head. Cause I really care a lot about our team and the people we work with. And it's like, you have this idea at nine o'clock at night and I'll go write it down and try to implement it. But I just want the best for everyone on the team. Yeah, And I feel like my performance needs to be at my best all the time. So it is, it is quite fatiguing. And, and when you're at stage 21 of Galaga and you've got you got the missiles coming down from the bugs on the left, and you know not to go left because you've had that happen all the time. You got to go back <laughs> and get the grain and go right if you're gonna get that, right? And still have two ships to get to the bonus round. That's yeah. bad. I know all that. That is clear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that does, man. I've talked to so many people who have various strategies and it's hilarious because you know whether it's like my wife she'll like color she'll do like the adult coloring book stuff and it yeah. just clears her mind or my buddy builds legos cuz he's like I just like legos because it tells you what to do and you just have to mindlessly build shit like that you know like it's just it's yeah. good that you know like you have coping mechanisms with with being an entrepreneur because i think at times it could probably just be like overwhelming
2: Oh, yeah, it's you're always on. I think the running is therapeutic. Yeah. I read like I'm committed. I'm reading two, three books a month on average and logging a little bit about what each one is. So I've got I love building up that actual physical library of books. But at the same time, if there's something that's going to take me completely away, it's the arcade rather than like a PS4 or something. Yeah. I don't care anything about a long story in a game or something. I just yeah. want to turn it on simple. Right. And at the same time, challenge it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, so to kind of wrap up, uh, the podcast, I want to hear you wrote this, um, on your reflection. I thought it'd be a cool way to kind of end it, but, um, you were talking about the moment when your mindset kind of turns bulletproof and you're just like, this is going to get done no matter what, what, like, can you either give us like strategies to help that happen or just kind of like, just describe how that feels for you? Um, you know, Yeah,
2: I think, The first thing is that accept it. Some people can say, you know, some people talk about the rule. If you're going to work out, go run five minutes and give yourself the time or grace at five minutes out, you can turn around and come back in. Right. You can always, but most 99% of the time you're never going to turn around. Um, so you have to go through our bodies, that fight or flight response. You have to then accept where you're at. But then there comes this time, and you, a lot of people might get it from running ultras where you just give in to where you are, like you're totally aware of everything in the moment, right? And it's like a sensory overload. It's almost like you gain this sixth sense of knowing that you got this, right? Have you ever seen the movie the F- For the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner?
0: I have not, but it's on the list because we've done – we've been doing like the Kevin Costner baseball movies. <laughs> yeah. And he, had, he has a
2: scene. He's a, a major league pitcher and he's near retirement right and he just relies on his instincts and his his whole experience so one thing i do is just let the mind go numb and i say clear the mechanism and that's the same thing that he does in the uh, movie and everything turns to a blur right then like doing the burpees for 24 hours i am where i am i'm totally committed to being in this moment and there's nothing that's going to enter my mind that I'm going to let stay in. That's a negative influence. Yeah. And it's like super fluidity. If you want to say to it, you know, it's like, you're just, it's the zone that people talk about. Yeah. Um, I think you have to get your new, I mean, that's a big thing. You have to be committed to the effort. You have to make sure of course physiology that you have the training built up to do the effort. Yeah. You have to have that nutrition down, but you have to have that commitment to letting go and letting everything take over that you've built up for your lifetime, those skills do the job that needs to be done.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, dude, let's let's wrap it there. That was amazing. Cameron, thank you for coming on the show. Um, where can people kind of like follow your journey or support uh, Suitcase of Courage or yeah. things like that?
2: So the suitcase of couragecom if you want to find out more about our business and the team. Um, I've also listed these on a little TBN on Suitcase of Courage. Some of these adventures, I've started to write a little bit about it. Cool. Um, suitcase of courage facebook page we're teaching online classes for free if anybody wants to jump on
0: i saw that man i've seen a couple of those like yoga classes and
2: and, yeah so our team's got a day of the week mondays are circuits tuesdays are yoga i do core on wednesday thursdays are mobility um on facebook cameron dorn i keep it i've got an instagram but i put two posts up my whole life so if you (laughs) want to find me facebook or Feel free yeah. to reach out
0: for our website. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, man. And I, I look forward to chatting with you again in the future at some point.
2: Chris, great connecting. Keep charging, brother. Yeah, let's
0: see man. All right. That wraps up this week's Summer Replay. Uh, two episodes. Super-sized edition. Isn't it funny, though? Like, One, it's really hard for me to ever listen back to the podcast because, you know, the weird thing where you hear your own voice recorded. And you're like, that's actually how I sound like, (laughs) like, that's what I sound like. No. Um, so, so that aspect's hard and it's hard for me to listen back to the early episodes too, just because obviously like change of equipment, change of experience, things like that. Um, and so it's just funny to hear the big shift in microphone quality between, uh, episode 12 and episode 213, uh, so, which like I said, I highly suggest going back. I cut out parts of those episodes just to kind of make this more of like around an hour-ish. Um so go back check those out um if you want to hear more from Cameron. Um like I said, the guy is has consistently been inspiring me since I met him all those years ago. I think it was probably like 2015 at this point. Uh dude has always been just an incredible athlete um uh, incredible inspiration he's connected me with a couple other guests uh that have been really fun to to chat with and connect and things like that so super honored to have him on the show uh hope you all enjoyed that episode i'm hoping to do a few more like that in the future where we're kind of like uh mixing and max matching uh different parts of different episodes um it just all depends on how much time i have during that week and things like that so So yeah, anyways, that wraps it for the week. I hope you all are having a great summer and we will get back at you with another summer replay next week. Also, real quick, I can't remember if I cut it out of this episode. I don't think I did. Uh, But when I talked to Cameron again, uh, we spoke about the greatest movie of all time, King of Kong. Wait, King of Kong? Yeah, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. It's the best sports movie ever. It's about uh the Donkey Kong video game and the people going after the world record and uh rewatched it this year. So I had watched it way back when uh it first came out like in 2008, 2009, whenever. Uh I watched it then instantly rewatch I was like I yelled at my wife. I'm like, "You have to get in here and watch this movie. This is crazy." So watched it twice in a row, which speaks highly of the movie cuz I've only done that for a few movies. Um, But then I rewatched it this year uh, on a plane and I have to say it totally holds up. It is incredible. So if you've never seen it, and I always jokingly call it the best sports movie ever because it has the same beats as a sports movie. Like the bad guy is like the arrogant dude who's really good and you just want to see him get beat and then the good guys like the underdog you know playing in his garage with his kids like yelling in the background and stuff uh, but it's fantastic it has all the sports movie beats there's like montages uh it's a documentary so half the time you're like are these human beings like real people which is wild um so highly recommend it Uh, just thought I'd throw that in here since we talked about that movie in the episode. Hopefully I didn't cut that part out. Can't remember. I didn't listen to the whole entire thing. Um, so yeah. All right. We'll get back at you next week.